I go to therapy, but I need to do something else, you know, something that I can commit. Because I can't go to therapy every day. First of all, it's expensive. Yeah. Secondly, I have a full-time job. So I'm like, well, what can I do on my day every day? It's not going to cost me any money. It's not going to take any time. And it was writing gratitudes. And it helped. It tr- and it truly helped me change my perspective from that glass half empty to a glass half full. And now my mind doesn't allow me to jump to like the the woe is me or the wrongs in life you know the way I look at it is like anything that's happening to me it's happening for me and everything is in alignment but it was me starting off with gratitude like you know being grateful is what was so it was so impactful right you know and again our mental health maintenance going to therapy gratitude being grateful is something that I incorporate in my day-to-day you know, because how I start my day and how I feel. I feel weird when I don't gratitude. Like, oh, I need to gratitude. So I will do it. Yeah. You know, I'll probably do it when I leave out of here in my car because it's important for me to make sure that I arrive in spaces of being grateful. Right. Period. And it's it's not it's nothing to continue on from that. And it really cha- it changed my life. It changed therapy, of course, but it changed being grateful is something that you can continue on even after, you know, you get help. It's impossible to stop a man or woman who will not quit. The We Won't Quit podcast is designed to help entrepreneurs who are feeling stuck by limiting beliefs and procrastination. That's right. You're going to hear stories and lessons from incredible people who've overcome setbacks to comebacks because they have the mentality and they refuse to quit. Your host is none other than Mike Humes, male man to millionaire, the storyteller and leadership mentor, helping you shift and grow in your entrepreneurship journey. Tune in to these episodes to get real stories from real people who've had real success. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the We Won't Quit podcast. I am your host, Mike Humes. Always excited to be with you, even more excited uh, because I get to bring you some incredible people who embody my quote that it's impossible to stop a man or woman who will not quit. Uh, And this week is no exception. I am on location. I'm in San Diego, California. I had to come out and get some sun, right? It was freezing in Maryland. Uh, And so I came out to visit with Jewel McDougal, all right, who is a licensed clinical social worker, worker, right? See how she finished that for me. Uh, So I'm going to allow Jewel to share a little bit of her story. Uh, And I'm just excited that you took time away to, uh, from your clients, from uh, all that I know you have going on to to sit down and converse with me a little bit today. Yeah, I'm very grateful first for you inviting me. Um, I think this is an awesome opportunity. So I'm Jewel. I, like you said, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. I moved here to San Diego in 2017 after I graduated from grad school. Uh, I'm a military veteran as well. I was in the Navy for a few years, lived overseas, deployed a couple times, and decided, you know what, the military is not for me. I'm too much of a rebellious spirit, is what my mom would call me. Um, so I decided to go back to school for social work and ended up getting my bachelor's degree in social work from Norfolk State. And I went to um, Rapper University and obtained my master's degree in clinical social work, uh, specializing with military population. And, wow. Yeah. So been bouncing around quite a bit, but... I have no regrets, but I'm just very grateful to share this space with you. All right, great. So many questions, obviously, from 757 I'm familiar with, mm-hmm. right, because uh, DMV being the 202, mm-hmm. but you mentioned Michigan, mm-hmm. from uh, Detroit. being mm-hmm. from Detroit. Yeah. So a lot of different places, the military, thank mm-hmm. you for your service. Thank you for your support. So, so what brought you to San Diego? I decided when I graduated from grad school, I'm like, ah, what am 
going to do with my life at this point? I didn't have a job and I was just all over the place. I had applied for a few positions in like Thailand and Hawaii. So at first I thought I wanted to go more of the uh, my, uh, macro social work route. So that's like working in government, writing policy, because that's something I really enjoy too is um, analyzing policy. And so I'm like, maybe this is what I want to do. But then my brother happened to be stationed here in Camp Pendleton. Okay. He's like, you know what, maybe you should move to California. And I was like, uh, I don't know about that. So then when I got offered the job to work for the Congress um, woman in Hawaii, I'm like, well, I don't really know nobody there. So what am I going to do? So I decided to move to San Diego specifically because my brother was here. Uh, yeah, close to family. Yeah, because I hadn't been close to family in so, so many years of being in the military and then going to school. I wasn't close to any of my family at all. Is that your only uh, sibling? Yeah, absolutely okay. not. <laughs> How many brothers and sisters? It is 12 of us. I'm the second, wow. the second youngest. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So he's it. one of my older siblings. And okay. Mm-hmm. So you could probably travel pretty much anywhere and run into a family member, right? With 12 siblings, 12 brothers and sisters. Probably, or are they all? To some extent, probably. Absolutely. Oh. Wow. So it's just my sister and I. Okay. I have an older sister. She's five years older than me. So I guess I'm the baby. Yeah, that right would, yes, that definitely will make you the baby. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So being in social work mm-hmm. and obviously uh, now building your clientele, do you find that when your family calls you, you kind of get into that mode yeah. of... No, I used to. I will say that um, it, t- it took a long time for me to realize I can care about people and not save them, especially mm. um, having a background in social work. And really, really being a person of service, it was so hard. I'm like, oh, I'm, work- I'm working with all these strangers and I'm I'm helping them progress their lives. Well, I can't do this in my own family. And I just realized, like, people have the- their own responsibility for their lives. And so I'm like, well, let me direct my energy to, you know, other people in the community. And so with my family, I've learned to kind of set healthy boundaries. Like, are you calling me for advice? Do you want to vent? Like, you know, really being clear on what they need. And then once I'm aware of that, it's like almost like shut off a certain part of me. And I just kind of listen, you know, just to listen and not listen to like resolve whatever it is they have going on. Setting healthy, healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like you said that and it struck a chord. Like that is so key yes, is. for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, how does one set healthy boundaries? <laughs> right. That, look, we could be here all day, <laughs> all right? Day. <laughs> um. Reminding yourself that the boundaries are for you, right? It's uh, boundaries are important to protect your own mental and emotional capacity. A lot of times people are exhausted and feel annoyed and frustrated by situations that maybe don't have anything to do with them. It's because you're given from a place that you don't have. So mm-hmm. boundaries kind of, I have this ideology about having a cup. We all start with this cup in life and it's important for us to, um, for it not only to be full, but to be overflowing. And and what overflows from it is what we give to everyone else and what's in it is ours. So the reserve is inside the cup and what flows from it, outside of it, excuse me, is the residual. And that's what you give to other people. But if you are given from a place that you don't have, that's where the boundaries come in. It's like, okay, I have to recognize what my limitations are and then really stick to it. You know, and if people get upset, it's okay. They'll get over it. But at the end of the day, the best thing you can do for other people is take care of yourself first. So. Right, right. How does one learn that? It just seems so challenging. I mean, I've, I come from a, a I give a lot. Mm-hmm. I, it's just who I am. It's yeah. kind of how I was raised. It's how, you know, growing up in a single parent household and uh, growing up in, a, in an inner city where, Everyone kind of shared what they had. Mm-hmm. So you're just used to giving. You're used to mm-hmm. sharing. You're used to, and I think that's part of being our culture as I well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, but how do you know when you're operating in that? Because, and, and I only ask that question because I think we deal in a level of stress mm-hmm. on a daily basis that we've gotten conditioned to just saying, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I can handle it all. Mm-hmm. So you think. Right. 
So you think you can handle it all. I mean, again, it's back to feeling like exhausted and depleted and angry, you know, when you have and, and, and irritable, you know, those right. are all signs that, okay, I'm, I'm giving from a place that I don't have. But from a cultural standpoint, I agree with you. Absolutely. Like we are conditioned to feel like we have to be of service and, and give our last, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think that those are amazing, not only good characteristics, but core values to have. But you also have to recognize when you don't have it to give. And we often attach our work to what we do for others. And and I, the example I usually use with my clients is I'm like, well, you know what? You hold the door open for this person and they don't say thank you. You probably catch an attitude. Well, who are you holding the door open for? Wow. Are you doing it for yourself? Or are you doing it for them? So it's being mindful of what our intentions are behind things. And it takes a lot of practice right, right? yeah um anything takes a lot of practice it's something you have to work at every day especially when you're working you know when you're not necessarily trying to change your values but you're really trying to have healthier values and it's like going against all that we know look out for your brother look out for your sister right that's your cousin you can't treat them like that or you can't. right and so it's like oh that feels icky when yeah you're, when you're going against something that you you right. feel so deeply um, embedded to, and so it's a belief that you have. It's really, it's really challenging. It's like you almost have to grieve this version of yourself that maybe is in alignment with who you're becoming. That's so strong and so true. Mm-hmm. In terms of, it's a daily battle. I always say my positive self has to beat out my negative self every day, mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to how I can, you know, facilitate my day. I've, I've been self-employed for so long. So oftentimes your family assumes that when you work from home, you you're just free you're just free, right? <laughs> and I, I guess now since the pandemic, everyone kind of views that or may view it a little differently. Mm-hmm. But how has the pandemic affected uh, what you do? Or uh, has, has it been a huge influx of? Definitely an influx, for sure. When the pandemic uh, initially started, I was actually a clinician at a psychiatric hospital. Wow. Um, and absolutely love it. I do it now part time because I love working with the severe mentally ill. But I saw an influx in the an inpatient side. And then I decided, you know, a year ago, I want to work in private practice. And so in private practice, I've noticed an influx of people who, um, I won't say necessarily don't have coping skills, but when you remove all of these other things that we're so focused and so uh, c- committed to that don't really keep us floating, it's like, oh, goodness, I have all this time on my hand. What am I supposed to do? And all of these thoughts and things that we've been running from our whole lives kind of start right. playing back. So I've, I've noticed that a lot of people are in this space where they're like, I don't like how I feel. I don't like um, I don't like who I am. I don't like why I do these things. I want to know why and I want to change them. And so I feel like with with the pandemic, a lot of people are sitting with themselves like I need to really I need to work on myself or at least figure out why I'm the way I am, yeah. you know. So I definitely have seen an increase of clientele for uh, in, in psychotherapy. I'm sure any other mental health provider can say the same. All right. I know there's a shortage of, you know, uh, therapists mm-hmm. in our community, in the African-American community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how can we change that? Is there a way we can change that? Or because I, I just truly believe, I believe everyone needs therapy, mm-hmm. right? I've gone through therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also believe it's something that's continual. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely. like working out, mm-hmm. right? It's like car maintenance. Like car maintenance, mm-hmm. absolutely. Getting that oil changed every 3,000 miles. Mm-hmm. At least Jiffy Lube has us thinking mm-hmm. it's every 3,000 miles. <laughs> I don't know if it's but 3, it's not, but that's the conditioning. <laughs> right. But when it comes to ourselves, and as you mentioned, giving from a place that oftentimes we don't have mm-hmm. a reserve, mm-hmm. right? And we're giving from, you know, we're, what we shouldn't be giving from. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I just think it's, it should be ongoing. Are you finding that more and more people understand that it's an ongoing uh, mm-hmm. thing to to work on themselves or to talk to someone to get those thoughts out to you know become better? I do, but one of the one of the biggest things about taking care of our health, especially mentally and our emotional well being, is it, it is I say it's a very self inflicted thing. We have to be innate, you know, um, our desire. Or our pain of staying the same has has to be worse than changing, right? A lot of people fear change because it's like, oh, I have to go and do something different, or I have to think a different way. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that, right? Yeah. Uh, I had someone tell me the other day actually that introspection can create rawness. Like, it, you know, when we develop that introspective um, identity of ourselves and who we are, it kind of leaves us kind of raw, right? And so yeah. people are like, mm, I don't, you know, you hear that saying, "Don't touch a." Uh, what is it a scar or something you know you got to let it heal and it's like but some scars you do you do have to nurture you right, know <laughs> right, right right so emotional scars and, and and mental health scars we have to nurture and i think a lot of people are are looking at it like you know what therapy is more than talking right and we know that as a therapist and as someone who's went through therapy my, myself um it's more to it than just talking right there's right. a whole lot of uh, skills that go into being a therapist but the biggest thing is for me as a therapist i want people to see that they have options Right? You don't have to be this way that you feel like you have to be, you know, or this person that you've had to become to survive or to get through things. Like there are so many options. And I, I make a joke of it. I'm like, I mean, very worst case scenario, you can go back to being that other person. Because, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you're used to that person. Right. Like, try this on a little bit and see if you like it. Yeah. Um, I try to normalize it. Like, yeah. it's cool. Like, at least you can see you got options. And I think therapy allows people to see that right it, yeah. it allows them to be exposed to the different options and ways to live and the ways to see different things perspective of like this much of it is about about perspective anyway right right so do you find that there are more men more women families <laughs> children is huge really yeah family dynamics is a big uh a big slippery slope i'll say that mm. um i get a lot of families, individuals, you know, parents come to me for children, then it ends up being like a family thing, couples therapy, Um, because really looking at family dynamics, looking at family structure, there's a, there's a a big influx of uh, youth specifically with identity and colorism, um, sexual orientation, and it's generationally, it's hard, like my parents wouldn't understand that, right? My parents are from the 50s and 60s, and they're like, what is the pronouns? Why why we have this thing, right? Right. But we do know right now it is a thing. It and, is. And, and it's hard to, uh, it's hard for children to kind of educate their parents about it. So when it comes to families, I see that a lot, that families want to come in and like, I need a better understanding of why my daughter, you know, is the way that they are. Or even individual co- coming and trying to figure out how to maintain relationships with their families and maintain right. relationships with their parents and really looking at like, and I tell them, you're not going to be able to change your parent. I'm here to let you know, you know, that's, you're not going to, so what does it look like for you to exist with them in a healthy space? So influx wise, I, I've been seeing a lot of males too. I was going to say Good. that because now that I think about it, I've had a, a lot of people reach out to me um, looking for, well, they're males looking for male providers. But right. They, that's very few. It is. Few far it between. is. between. Um, but then they're like, well, at, for the culture, they're like, well, I want a black woman. Right. You know, so definitely seen an influx of, of males for sure. How, how important is it? That's so many questions uh, just based on that. How how important is it to have someone that, that looks like you? Uh, yeah. That relatability as a therapist. My, my therapist was a black male. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it was like talking to one of my boys, right? Yeah. It, it was great. Uh, but I knew he knew what he was talking about. And he also, you know, he has a therapist, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but how important is that, do you think, to be able to, to look at someone that's a reflection of yourself mm-hmm. to be able to seek I think it's important. Those answers. Okay. And I wanted to I wanted to highlight that so from a cultural standpoint, it's important for me as a black woman to be able to sit across. Because I first of all, I don't want to explain to you what I'm going through. I, I, there are some things I just want you to get. Right, right, right. But if we look at it a little bit differently, I'm a military veteran. And if I have a therapist that wants to talk to me about military issues, I prefer someone who is in the military. Right. Because you're not going to be able to tell me what it feels like to deploy. You're not going to be able to talk to me about what it felt like to go through basic training. You're not going to be able to tell me even what it feels like to have to pick up and move every couple of years because I'm being stationed somewhere else. So representation and relatability is not just, you know, I'm a black woman. I want another black woman. Right. It's the intersections of life. These intersectionalities that a lot of people don't understand. It's like I, intersectionalities is someone, every person, diversity, culture, ethnicity, everybody's being represented in this intersectionality. That's what I love about myself as a therapist, because I cross so many different intersections, you know, that allows me to be relatable to clients. And yeah, people talk to me. They're like, oh my God, it just feels like you're like my homegirl. Right. And that matters. You it know, does. Because I want people to feel safe and comfortable. And if it's already hard that we go out into the world and we we have an armor on because we are, you know, we don't feel like we can be our true authentic selves. So in therapy, it's really, really important that my clients know that this this right here is a safe space, you know, and um, it's an emotionally safe space. And that's important because you want it to is. be able to be your authentic self somewhere. Yeah. Right. And right. it typically starts in a space that is safe, and then you start feeling more confident about going out into wor- in the world and being that way. All right. So, so powerful. You mentioned the family dynamic and parents, and you're not going to be able to change them, right? My mom's 84. She just turned 84. And there are things that um, I would never be able to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we were talking about our phones, right, mm-hmm. and our, or our, all of our technology and how it requires updates and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the old devices, right? We're team iPhone over here. So yeah. for those who know. Um, <laughs> sorry, but not sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Those who are watching us on the Android can't even see what we look like Probably right can't. now. <laughs> exactly. Y'all take good pictures, but that's it. But, um, you know, in, in that dynamic of with so much having changed, social media, you talked about colorism, which wasn't a thing that was discussed, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day. It's something that's highlighted more now. Uh sexual orientation and, and all those different dynamics, how does, and you mentioned parents actually coming in to say, I don't understand my child. How does one do that? And I related to the iPhone because, or a phone in general, because my mom in technology, mm-hmm. right? Her power is out and I'm trying to help her when her power is out to just utilize her cell phone. Mm-hmm. Say, mom, you got to hit this. I got to put little labels on stuff so she can, yeah. but is that what we're finding where you have to go all the way back to the ABCs for parents to understand where their kids are coming from? Not necessarily. Um, working with parents specifically, first I validate that they are entitled to feel how they need to feel about a situation. It's gen- from a generational standpoint. Yes, my parents in cell phones. My dad, bless his heart. <laughs> I've been right. working with my dad for three weeks about his phone. You know, right. he calls me every day about something. Right. And it's like, okay, well, how can I help my clients if it's a child or a teenager? Like, how can I get them 
to communicate with their parent in such a way where the parent is able to receive the information. And so one of the ways that I approach it is I work, I work with them individually and then bring them together. And I talk to the parents and I try to get their understanding on how, because perspective is everything. How are they seeing the situation? And are they so deeply connected or committed um, concretely to their way of life and their beliefs that they're unwilling to accept or even acknowledge that there is a different way to do life? Right. Um, and providing education in that regard. And really, but the biggest thing is validation. That, you know, let, allowing them to know, like, you're, this is valid, right? There is not, a lot of people navigate the world from like a right or wrong. It's like, no. Right, right. <laughs> right, it's not a right, it's not a matter of right or wrong. It's more associated with, okay, mom, you might not agree with uh, your child wanting to identify as they, them, but do you care enough about that relationship and having that relationship that you're willing to say, I don't necessarily understand it, but I'm open to be having a better understanding of how you're navigating life, right? We, you have two parents, two mothers who have childbirth, but they, they only have that in common. But I guarantee you that the labor and delivery was different, mm. right? So it's you and I standing in an art gallery and we're looking at the same picture and we can see it differently. Does that mean that your way of seeing it is right? Does it mean my way of seeing it is wrong? No. So it's more about bringing people together to see that it's okay to navigate the world in different. Right. Right. Parents and children, it's okay. Right. But the question is, are you willing to navigate the world in difference while still will, being willing to maintain a healthy relationship? Right. Because little kids grow up to be big adults who have big adult problems. Right. From their little child, like their little kid issues. Right. And so being mindful of that nurturing piece and really holding space for both. So I said a, a mouthful, but the biggest thing is validation. I think I, I noticed that with parents is really important for, for them to see, be seen and heard and experienced fully, right? And to, to get that reassurance, like, no, it's not, it's not a matter of right or wrong, right? Your, your opinion is your opinion and how you see the world is your, your, the way you see it, but it's okay to acknowledge that there's a different way to see the world, right? right. That doesn't mean that your way is the bad way, right? because it's not a matter of good or bad or right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that uh, a lot of people are open to, I, I always think most people just want to be heard, uh -huh. right? They want to be validated. Uh -huh. uh, do you find that that's a challenge from a parent to child perspective of them being able to hear uh -huh. what they're saying? I know you say validation is key. Uh -huh. I, I guess that's the start. Uh -huh. I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh -huh. Okay, so now I can I can hear what you're saying mm -hmm. because I understand that I'm not wrong and you're not right. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes it makes perfectly good sense. I think with parents specifically, one of the bigger um, how we bridge that gap between the parent and child, like one of the biggest things is yeah, validation is important, but also well, why are you? What type of style are you listening? Are you listening to respond? Right, right? so key. Are you listening to respond to me? Are you listening to hear me? Right. You know, or are you listening because you feel obligated that you have to listen, but you're not really listening? That's so key. Inten it being intentional. Right. It's so, 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 so important. Right. Listening to respond versus listening to understand. Mm -hmm. Are you listening right. to or correct? comprehend? Right. Right. So many different areas you can go with that. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, I guess it's innate to think that you got to fix, fix, fix whatever it is that mm -hmm. your child is going through. But you touched on something that I think is key. And it really starts that that child turns into an adult that has these issues. So it really starts with a lot of childhood trauma. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So how how deep do you go? Like how does how do you peel back those layers of someone who thinks that it's an issue that's going on with their spouse or an issue that's going on with their job, an issue that uh, something that happened to them in traffic, mm-hmm. and it all really boils down to something that happened in their childhood. You know, I, well, in my practice, I do like a psychosocial assessment. That's like the social worker and me. I want to do a full bio. I want to know about you. I want to know about your upbringing. You know, I want to know uh, birth order. You know, are you the youngest? Are you the middle? Are you the oldest? I want to know those things. Do you come from a big family? Are you an only child? Are you from a single parent house? Like there are so many other things that I have to I look at. I look at the person picture and frame, right? right. I also look at the, t- the style of paint that I use. Like, you know, when I, when I really try to, like metaphorically try to explain it to people the way I approach it um, and working in the idea of like family dynamics and working with individuals who are maybe an adult. And I'm like, I feel like I'm in a rut in life. You know, I'm feeling really, really sad. I don't know why, you know? And so first I'm like, well, what's going on right now? And they tell me all of these things that are happening in their lives. And I provide psychoeducation. Much of our, our depression is rooted in our past. Right. Right. Um, much of our anxiety is rooted in our future. Right. Really? Anxiety is very, yeah. very future oriented. It is it's very worry, like worrying about what's going to happen. Right. And depression roots in like regret and guilt, shame and embarrassment. Very, very, very past oriented. You're feeling something about something that's happened that maybe you've never talked about. Maybe you don't even know that there's a connection to it. You don't even realize like I'm really upset with my spouse because my spouse tells me they're going to put gas in my car and then they never do it. Well, is it really about them not putting the gas in your car? Or is it a value that you have because maybe as a kid, somebody used to promise to do things for you and they never did it, right? A lot right. of our values and our core beliefs are uh, associated with the things that we went through in our childhood. Absolutely. Right? And I'm like, look, we all got baggage. It's up to you to decide how you want to carry it. Right. Or how long or you want to carry it, right? Because it, it, it gets heavy. Uh, yeah. And it if you've been putting that little bag in your old closet, every time you move, it's going to go away. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, no, it's just collecting dust. Right. And it's making it heavier. Right. And it's really big on education, educating people. Like, I'm, my guess is what you're going through right now and how you're feeling, it's probably not even related to what you're dealing with right now. It's probably something that you've already went through. And I always talk about, like, how depression and anxiety kind of show up together because they're, like, tagging each other and, like, hey, really? pick me next. Right. Because depression is like, I feel so ashamed about this decision that I made, or I feel so ashamed about, you know, whatever it is. And then anxiety shows like, okay, well, we got to make sure we don't go through this again. So let's worry, 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 you know, and it's, they usually show up together. Right. And so sometimes we can be both the um, cause and the resolution of our suffering. You mentioned, and, and it just shows how thorough you are to go all the way back to asking those, those questions, even about, you know, which child were you, whether you were the, the oldest, the youngest, the middle, uh, you know, however many in that, uh, in, in, you know, from birth, mm-hmm. uh, how many siblings you have. I have a buddy of mine, uh, uh, D. John's, Dear Son podcast. Shout out to D. John's and the Dear Son podcast. Phenomenal because it's he talks to men mm-hmm. just about their, their journey. And it's a safe space where you can be vulnerable and and talk. But one of his questions is always, you know, he always asked about what place you were born. And what I found from every single episode that I've watched uh, where someone is sharing, it it really goes back to them not feeling heard mm-hmm. or having to pretend to be someone they weren't mm-hmm. uh, or it just whatever the case may be. And, and oftentimes it depends on 
they, when they were born, you know, and what place they were born, if they were a stepchild, if their parents were a blended family, if they were the, like all of those things play such a vital role. Mm -hmm. And I think we go through life and we don't think Mm -hmm. about that. No, we don't. And the other part is, so I wanted to tie that into, um, as adults, we say, well, I, I'm, I gotta be a provider. You know, I gotta be the one that everybody depends on, you know, people gotta come to me and I'm like, well, tell me a little bit about your childhood. What was going on? Um, yeah, I can remember. Because always narrative therapy is like having, ha- allowing people to talk about their narratives and how they see things, right? It's almost like a storytelling. Right. Um, and I ask clients to do it all the time. Like, well, when did you have to become a provider? Tell me about that. What's up with that? You know, and um, and allow them to tell their story, how they see it, right? Um, and then sometimes it goes back to like, I remember when I was four years old and I don't know, my mom worked, you know, nights. So I would stay up with my siblings and help them with their homework or, you know, and, and granted that is great that you want to help your siblings, but that will spill over into an identity that maybe isn't even who you are. Wow. It's who you had to become to survive. Right. And so much of therapy and me as a therapist, I really try to help. I'm not here to tell you that you don't have to be that person anymore. I just want you to have an understanding of where it comes from. Really. I want you to know, like, you know what? I got a choice. I don't have to be this, you know, this everybody relies on me person. I can, yes, I can be reliable, right? And dependable, but I don't have to be on 10 all the time. I have a choice now. Right. If you don't want to do it, you can go back to doing the same thing you've been doing. (laughs) But it's important for people to know the origins of this identity. Like, this is who I am. It's like, but is it really? Right. Not so much what you are, but why you are who you think you are or how you became that person. Absolutely. That's so key. How does social media play a role in that? Because I'm just thinking for someone who's already dealing with anxiety or has already dealt with or is dealing with depression mm-hmm. and they're seeing these images. Of course, you know, social media, everyone's putting their best foot forward. Absolutely. They're showing the, the cliff notes of life. And some of them are just plain lying, right? Mm-hmm. It just isn't who they are at all. How does that play a role in someone who's constantly looking at recently that the average person checks Instagram 150 times a day? Mm-hmm. How, do, how are your clients, do you find that people come in and say, I feel like I need to be this person or that person, or, you know, I'm not where I need to be compared to where everybody else is. Comparison is a thief of joy. Someone once said that. To right. Me, and it's very true. Um, if you're not, if you're not in the best place mentally and emotionally, you can potentially with comparing yourself to people on social media, you can cause more suffering to yourself and more harm to yourself, right? Of course, people are not putting like, I barely can pay my rent this month, but look at me, I'm in the Bahamas on a yacht, right? Or whatever. They're not going to, no one's actually going to present like the the hard side of life, right? Although there's this elephant in the room that all of us experience some type of, some type of trial in our life, right? It's, it's not consistent. So if you go on social media and you're like, oh, my friend's getting married, everybody's getting married and I'm still single, but you also don't know the, the story behind that marriage, right? You don't, and so you have to ask yourself, it's not the suffering Olympics one, right? And so... <laughs> And I say that because we sit and we compare ourselves to like what someone has or maybe what someone doesn't have or, oh, I got this and they still doing that. And it's like, it's okay for us to just focus on what are we doing in our lives. Yeah. And social media, especially um, with children. Yeah. It is crazy. I saw something the other day. The mom told the son if he stayed off social media for six or six years, she was going to pay him. And she he ended up staying off of it for six years. And she gave him like $1,800 on his 18th birthday just because she wanted him to 
have a, uh, a solid mind to an extent, right? But the brain development is between 14 and I believe like 25 or 26. So that's a vital time in our lives. So it if is. a 14 year old is on, you know, Insta- what is it? I don't know what the kids have now. Uh, Everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's so many different versions. Yeah, that keep and so out. imagine the, the the fragileness of of the psyche, right, and and the uh, lack of development, right, and the, uh, the self esteem, right, self worth, you know, the confidence. I mean, I can go on and on and on about it, right. And it's really important that we check in with ourselves and and are aware, like, am I of the emotional capacity and, and mental capacity to scroll? Because everybody does it, right? People do it, do it just out of boredom. I even do it, right. you know? Yeah. But I'm, I remind myself, like, first of all, I want to follow people that are going in the direction that I want to go in. And if I find myself um, unhealthily comparing myself to people, then I need to unfollow them. Wow. Period. That's, That's a good it. note right there, right? Yeah. If, if you find yourself comparing yourself to someone, time to unfollow. Unfollow yeah, yeah. It, it really is about who you're following, mm-hmm. like, and because it, it has so many benefits, yeah. right? Social media has so many benefits. Kids aren't watching the news; they yeah. don't know what's going on yeah. in the world, uh, but they find out in real time mm-hmm. from social media. I know I find out a lot of stuff from social media as well. Yeah. Uh, so it is key. It can be beneficial. Yeah, it can it definitely can be beneficial. I was one of those kids, by the way. They watched the news as a child. I just want to put that out there. I did as well. <laughs> Were we forced to growing up, or, or you just did it? I just did it. My my mom said I would wake up and ask all types of questions. She's like, "Don't just stop watching the news," and I'm like, "I just don't understand why the world is the way it is." Right? So right. I'm naturally curious. Um, what, did it scare you at all, or no? Well, it didn't scare me, but I, it made me more curious. Like, why are people mean to other people? Basically, right. like, why are they so mean to these people? And I'm still, I'm like kind of still like that. Like, why do people do the thing? Which is why I'm a therapist because I want to know why people do the things that they do. Um, but with social media, not to, you know, no, you're topic, fine. but with social media specifically, I feel that we use it, you know, Twitter and everything is right at our fingertips. It it's is. so easy to access and, oh, you fall down a rabbit hole, which you bring up anxiety, right? You bring up anxiety. So I've, I've had people come in and they're like, yeah, my back started hurting. So I Googled why, you know, back problems. And I say, and what happened? Probably three or four hours later, you found yourself on WebMD trying to right. diagnose yourself exactly. with scoliosis, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so true. So it's so important true. to know, really it's important to know what space you're in. Yeah. That's the biggest, that's the biggest piece. And I know it's, it can be very challenging, right? We get addicted to following the lives of others, right? Sometimes it's distracting us from our own lives. Right. It's like easier to watch someone else's life, but the question is, do you want to, you know, do you want your life to live you or do you want to live it, right? And what does it look like for you to become more present in your day-to-day? You know, the amount of time, it's I gratitude every day. That's something I've been doing since uh, August 13th, 2018. I literally, I'm, my friends, if they watch this, they know I send out gratitudes faithfully. And I'm talking about some textbook-like gratitudes because I- So what does that mean, a gratitude? I send out gratitudes. I, in the morning, before I get my day started, I sit and I- sit with myself and think about all the things that I'm grateful for. And I try my best to not repeat them. And I've been doing it daily for a long time. Wow. Um, and then someone, one of my really good friends, like, you should send those to people. And if, you know, and I talk to people about, yeah, I just do gratitude just because it's normal for me to do it. You know, actually, I need to do one today, by the way. Um, but I just send them out to people. People don't respond and I don't care because I'm not really doing it for them. I'm doing it because it's something that I'm doing for myself to keep my cup over. Right. Back to my cup, keeping it overflowing. Um, So if I can take the time to scroll through social media, I can take the time to become more present in my day. 
right in gratitude about things you're grateful for. Powerful. I just did an episode on five ways to change your life immediately. I saw that. And that was, thank you. And that was one of them was, you know, really how you start your day, starting your day the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the importance of, I think, having a reason why, having mm-hmm. wants and reasons mm-hmm. to get up, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to not just go through the day, but to attack the day, mm-hmm. right? To, to be, and it starts with gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, Being and I, I think I skimmed over it because I was trying to get so much information in. But it's such a, a vital part of uh, of just growth, right? Yeah. Mindfulness, being absolutely. with yourself. If you can't sit with yourself, then. Yeah, absolutely. And gratituding um, or the act of being grateful. It, you know, you, have you ever heard? I'm sure you've heard the hearing, hearing, heard the story or the saying rather. But do you see the um, glass half empty or half full? Right? right. And I went through a very dark time in my life where I used to see the glass half empty, and that is a really um, heavy place to arrive in and, and be in for several years. Right. It was exhausting, and I was like, you know what? Therapy. I go to therapy, but I need to do something else. You know, something that I can commit because I can't go to therapy every day. First of all, it's expensive. Yeah. Secondly, <laughs> I have full time job. So I'm like, well, what can I do on my day every day? It's not going to cost me any money. It's not going to take any time. And it was writing gratitude, and it helped. It tr- and it truly helped me change my perspective from that glass half empty to a glass half full. And now. Be, my mind doesn't allow me to jump to like the the woe is me or the wrongs in life. You know, the way I look at it is like anything that's happening to me is happening for me. Right? There you go. And yes. everything is in alignment. But it was me starting off with gratitude, like, you know, being grateful is what was so, it was so impactful. Right. You know, and again, our mental health maintenance, going to therapy, gratitude, being grateful is something that I incorporate in my day to day. You know, because how I start my day and how I feel. I feel weird when I don't gratitude. Like, oh, I need to gratitude. So I will do it. Yeah. You know, I'll probably do it when I leave out of here in my car because it's important for me to make sure that I arrive in spaces of being grateful. Right. Period. And it's it's not it's nothing to continue on from that. And it really changed. It changed my life. It changed therapy, of course, but it changed being grateful is something that you can continue on even after, you know, you get help. Yeah. But what you said is so key because. You were doing everything right. You were in therapy. Uh, you would recognize where you were at that place at that time. But it was something you did. Like you took ownership and said, it's something I can do in addition to. And obviously it's carried on. So that's something that I hope everyone can take with them is the fact that if it is to be, it still starts with me, right? It still is up, it's up to you because you you spend the most time with yourself. Um, so no, that's key. That's key. And it's free, right? And it's free. It doesn't take everything. And I have, I, have, I have two friends that they were like, why? Because I also say, I'm, I'm so grateful. And I truly mean that. Yeah. Right? I'm grateful for any opportunity, any conversation. I'm grateful. I, I operate in a space of gratitude 24-7, seven days a week. How does somebody get there, though? Because like you said, you weren't always there. And, and I know I wasn't always there. And I know being someone who works with a lot of people, mm-hmm. someone who maybe looked at as, you know, I'm sure your friends look at you as successful yeah. obviously you've done a lot and you are successful and they don't just look at you it's because you are but again we get you get pulled on yeah a lot as a result of it so that's something that's more for you like but how do you how do you how do you get there that's a really good actually no one's actually answered asked me that question before and now that i think about it we are we live in like a red cup society where you know this isn't working throw it out get a new cup and very rarely do we 
stick to something, right? That the idea of like we won't quit, like we're sticking to something. Right. And so gratitude, like uh, being grateful is something that I said, this is for me. This is what's going to keep my cup overflowing so that when people do come to me and they need support, whether it be clients or families or friends, I'm giving from a space that's healthy. Right. Yeah. If, if, if I'm in a dark space and you come in and asking me for advice, what type of advice you think I'm going to give you if you're asking? For it? Right. Not good right. advice. Not healthy advice. At all. Yeah. Right. And so it was really important that, yes, if people do come to me, I need to have the emotional capacity to provide what it is that they need from me, especially as a mental health provider. Like I have to be in a good space. I have to be in a healthy space. That's important for me. And so I just kept at it. And the more I, and I, t- I get chills even talking about it now, mm. because I told someone in 2019, like, I can I can physically feel myself changing. I can feel it. It's going to make me cry because I don't want to mess my makeup up. But <laughs> I, was, I can physically feel myself changing. Like my the way I'm thinking about things is changing. Like um, if something happens, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. You know, of course, we get frustrated by things, but it doesn't take me long to pull myself out. I don't allow myself to sit in it long. I used to sit in it. I'm talking about months and days wow. like, you know i would sit in things and fester and ruminate over the things and worry about it and, and now i don't allow myself to do that mm. and it was it was really me saying the things that i'm grateful for because i always go back to that like all right jewel this is not working but it is working for you right right and that's right. the way i see things and so just working at it just really i mean and it's a commitment yeah but the best commitment that we can ever make is to ourselves yeah look i, I felt like i can feel water coming down my face i'm not really crying yeah but uh, maybe I am. I don't know. I just that is so powerful, just to think about um, taking ownership for yourself, and then being able to project that, being able to to help others uh, professionally. You know, not just with advice, but to literally be able to know that you've changed someone's life. And when you change one life, you literally change a generation. That's so powerful. And I, it's okay. I, I'm okay with planting the seed and then, you know, moving on with my life, right? A lot mm-hmm. of clients, uh, I'm, I know that things, for things, to, new things to start, some things have to end. And I'm all right to be like that, that resource for you to plant that seed. Right. And and in that flower or that plant or that tree blooms. And I'm okay with not being around to see it. Yeah. Right. And for me, it's, I'm not attached to the the space that I hold for my clients, I'm not attached to it. But that's because you're genuine. Yeah. And when you when you genuinely want to see others win, you're okay with whatever role you play. Yeah, I'm all right. Right. Yeah. I'm cool. That's, that speaks volumes of who you are. You know, I'm okay, and and it's, I'm smiling because, and I'm getting I'm getting chills because I truly yeah like I truly live my life like that. I'm I can tell. Okay. Like I'm, a, and that's I think for a lot of us, our healing is rooted in our attachment to things, right? I mentioned yeah. earlier on, if I'm holding a door for this person, who am I holding a door open for? Am I? Do I need them to tell me thank you? No, I don't. Do you because want them to tell you thank you? No, because so I'm you, leading my you life. You really with, believe that, yes. I'm leading my really life with kindness. That way. Yeah. Right, I'm leading, yeah. I'm, I'm leading my life with love. Right. Right, I had someone come to me and they were upset. They had apologized to their friend and they were upset that their friend didn't accept the apology. And I said, well, why did you apologize? What was the intent? It's very important that we're we're understanding our intent behind things, right? Because if we are attached to, if I if I apologize to you, my God, I apologize, and I'm waiting on you to be like, oh, it's okay, Jewel, thank you very much. 
you know, there's like that self-fulfillment. But if I'm apologizing because it's the right thing to do and it's the healthy thing to do and it's the kind thing to do, right. I've, my hands are I've done. I've detached myself from it. Right. It's not up to me for you to accept it or not. First of all, I don't even have control to do that, right? Yeah. But there's so there's a weight when you attach yourself to things. It's a weight that you carry, you know, and it's like, no. Because at the end of the day, I have to answer to the things that I've done in this life. I can't answer to the things that you've done in this life. Right. right. And so I have to answer to, well, was I kind? Did I choose kindness? Yes, I did. That's what I have to answer to. Not somebody else's actions and the way they move about the world. It's not my responsibility. How long did it take to get to that place? Right. I mean, because that's such a, I mean, it's a place we all want to be yeah. where we can re- detach ourselves, where we don't detach from the emotion mm-hmm. uh, or the, the love that we have for someone. Like I had to accept that my mom is, and, and I don't say accept in a negative mm-hmm. facet, but that my mom grew up in a whole different time and the things that she sees, like my mom used her faith to endure a situation. Mm-hmm. I always say, you know, baby God will provide. We were able to do this. We were able to move from here mm-hmm. and get to here. And I use that same faith to move forward mm-hmm. and say, well, if God can move us from here to here, mm-hmm. he can move me to a whole different place where I can go back and help others move from here to here. Mm-hmm. So how do you get to that point? Uh, Obviously, it's work. It's a lot of work. And and, it, and that's the thing about where therapy comes in, right? Because um, we're going to be presented with, we've done all this work on ourselves. Don't get me wrong. Like, I have times where I was like, oh, yeah. you know, I want to go back to the old school. <laughs> right? But then I look back and I'm like, I've traveled so far away from that person that the thought of going back to being that person was just utterly exhausting to mm. think about, right? Do I really want to live my life back like that, right? I've done all this work. And the other thing is I'm a lot more prepared to deal with things in adversity now than I've ever been. Yeah. Right? Because I'm in a and I'm in a much healthier space emotionally and mentally, but it takes a lot of work. Right. right? We we've been to therapy. It's sometimes I will leave out of therapy mad at the therapist. I ain't going back. <laughs> go right back to next week. Right. <laughs> because the idea is I need to, I needed to have a better understanding of myself and why I showed up in the world the way I did. And then from there, I was like, but I really don't like that person. It's unhealthy. You know, it's exhausting being this person. So what would it look like for me to truly, and I mean truly, embrace like a journey of kindness and being great? And it's hard because you'll get stuck back in. There are things that are come up in your life. Constantly things are going to come. It'll remind way. you. like, Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm going to have to go. I'm I, 48207 from Detroit, from the east side. There you go. Right. But I'm like, you can't go back to that person. Don't you? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Look at all this work that you've done to get yeah. where you are. And and, I'll t- and faith faith is amazing. It is right because every time I get to a place where something might happen and I'm like I want to return back to who I've been, God will show up and remind me. Yeah, He reminds me every time. It's it's I can't explain it to people. He reminds me every time. Like you're gonna continue to do. You're gonna continue to stay in alignment with the journey I have you on, or do you want to go back to that, right? Mm. And it's it's in that in those moments, and it happens throughout my day, um, or you know, I, I had something happen not too long ago, and I got an email, you know, because uh, on my website of like a client interest form, and and I don't take every client that I get, but it's just a, God is reminding me that I'm walking in the path that I'm supposed to be in wow. by just getting, even if I don't take on the client, he just it just comes at the most. I could be staring out the window and like upset about something and then I'll get a ping on my email and I'm like, you know what? I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm receiving what you're trying to give me. Right. Right. Oh, that's so key. Mm -hmm. You talked about just developing that habit of 
gratitude mm-hmm. every single day. And always say that the only way to subdue a habit is with another habit. So something you had to give something up, right? In order to start that. I had to give up a lot of things. Um, You took a deep breath there too, right? So you can remember those things that you had to give up that weren't positive. I I, I lived a very dark life. Um, I was trying to escape from myself, right? But if you are already in a dark light and you go on vacation, you can't run away from yourself. Mm. The party and the drinking, you know, just, I mean, I, I lived in Virginia. I like party, party. Um, but at one point I, w- I woke up one day and I was really sad. And I was like, I'm so sad. There is nothing going on in my life though right now that I should feel this sad. Why do I feel this sad? And I said, well, you know, I need to go talk to someone. And as I started working through and becoming more grateful and I listen, I listen to podcasts, that's something I really enjoy, something that feeds my soul, keeps my cup overflowing, reading, yeah. um, I was like, okay, I gotta give up some 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 other things, some bad bad behaviors, some bad habits, but really more so ways of thinking, right? Wow. Um, the biggest thing was I used to live a life that I felt people were out to get me, and that is a heavy life to live, right? Can you imagine walking around on defense mode all the time? It is exhausting. Yeah. It's I, I can't even explain it to people how exhausting it is, and I was like, I can't keep living like this. I can't keep, I was, I worked in child welfare at one point, um, was a foster care social worker, and I was so upset about that I was younger. Okay. And I was uh, chopping onions, and I ended up slicing a big um, cut in my my hand, and I was like, I'm, I'm getting so consumed with stuff that's, that I can't control. Right. And I was like, and this is really taking over my life. And I'm like, you know what, Jewel? It's you have your own stuff that you got to carry. You can't be carrying all these other things. So there are beliefs and behaviors and ideologies that I had to really say, this is not in alignment with the person that I'm becoming. Right. And I can't navigate the world. I got to I got to choose. I can't navigate the world from a place of fear or faith. I got to pick. I can't do both. Mm, yeah. Right. Um, and I, I have to say fear will get you to the doorstep of faith will let you walk through it. Right. And I was like, I have to lead my life in faith. And I got to know that anything that's happening to me is happening for me. On the outside looking in, people might say, dang, that's so messed up. And I'm like, I'm good. Because I, I I understand, right, that this probably is happening for my best interest and my greater good. I might not be able to see it right now, but I know that it's in alignment with the, the life that I'm becoming. But I had to, the biggest thing is I had to let go of a lot of beliefs about the way I saw the world, about the way I saw people. And it was hard, right? It's a grieving process yeah. in healing. Um, there's a grieving process in grieving an identity that no longer aligns with you and who you're becoming. But the biggest, the best part about it for me was, well, at least I know who I'm not. I might not know who I am. I'm still trying to figure her out, but I know who I'm not. And that's a great space to be in. Wow. I could talk to you all day long. I, I need to book a session, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Tell folks how they can find you and connect with you. I know you actually do uh, sessions online as well, I Zoom do. sessions as well? I do. I, so I do uh, telehealth sessions through Theranest. That's my medical clinic and through Doxy Me, which is also a medical clinic. Um, Zoom had a lot of stuff going on. So I do it through the actual medical platforms. Okay. Um, I do have a website. You can reach me at theneighborhoodtherapist.com. And that has all of my bio. And you can email me from there. Um, and then I also have uh, my business Instagram is um, at theneighborhoodtherapist.com. And, you know, you can follow me at the open page. Um, and then I also have blogs that you can you can read on my actual website. So awesome. 
I'm open to taking new clients. I'm open to consulting. Um, I love educating. I love teaching. I'm holding space for others. And I'm definitely really big on holding space for youth. That's something that's really important um, for me, young Black women specifically. Yeah. Um, because mentorship is important, too. It is. It is. How old is your youngest client? Oh, my youngest right now is 12. Okay. Mm-hmm. My youngest right now is 12. Do you know how old your oldest client is or my roundabout? My oldest is uh, 56. Okay. So a wide, wide range yeah. and variety. Yeah. No, that's good to know. That's good to know. It's, you, you never stop growing, right? You never, it, I know we talked earlier about, you know, most parents, when they get to a certain age, they don't change, but, you know, change is a choice as well. Absolutely. Right? The definition of choice, I always say, is the voluntary act of knowing that which is preferred, what you prefer to do. You make that decision uh, to do it. And I just, I'm glad we're in a space where so many people are choosing themselves, yeah, are choosing to change. They're seeing, uh, you know, especially for men. I mean, when you look at the, the rate of suicide, I was just looking at yeah. those rates and in um, and, and the age demographic of 25 to 34, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, when it comes to men and, uh, and in our community, it's, it's been slightly on the decline, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's never enough. You know, it can it can always be better. It can always be better. And you know, the other the other aspect of it is is um, making it okay to seek help. Right. 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 And and I go to therapy even when things are going great. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you, know I mean? you go to the gym when things are going great, right? We 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 do everything when mm-hmm. things are going great. So why not continue that? Why not, why not continue to exercise that muscle? Yeah. It's about how we perspective. Right. How we look at it, really. Right. That's the biggest thing. And just normalizing it. That and, is. And normalizing that it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay to go talk to someone, and, and it's okay to feel. It's okay. Right. Um, six degrees of separation. You'd be surprised how much we have in common. Absolutely. I can't wait until we get to a point where it is people feel abnormal by not talking to someone. I agree. Oh, I hope I'm around for that. Absolutely, I think you will be. Yeah. I think we, I think we will be because I think that's key. I think we're we're crossing a chasm where folks really understand mm-hmm. that it's important to. There's a shift happening. For, it for is sure. It There's is a major shift, and I, I love to see it. So do I. So do I. Well, you are creating that shift, and you've definitely helped a ton of people today, including myself. Uh, so I'm so thankful Thank to you. get I'm a chance. Really grateful for sharing space with you. Absolutely, I look forward to having you back because I know there are going to be a lot of folks who are going to come your way. As a result, I got to go ahead and book my session with you <laughs> as quickly as possible. But I'm so thankful that you took the time. I know you have another event to get to. I do. And uh, But uh, I'm excited and honored. And family, another episode of the We Won't Quit podcast. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, and uh, share. If you don't do anything, make sure you share this information today because it could save someone's life. Uh, it could you know, change the direction of not just that person, but generations as well. So uh, I'm excited to, to, to have brought Jewel to the table. So glad yeah. you, you took the time to come with us and take care. God bless. Look forward to seeing you guys soon. Hey, family, did you know that the things you say to yourself about yourself would eventually determine who you attract and even what you attract for ourselves? You know, want to know where I learned that? I learned that from listening to the Self Talk Experience podcast. Look, I'm excited because some of my mentors, Donnell and Tracy Self, have started a podcast that is exploding simply because they're shifting the way people think. I've been blessed to know this couple for about 25 years, and there's no way I would have went from mailman to millionaire if it wasn't for this couple. Look, I've watched them personally help dozens of individuals earn a seven-figure income, but I've also watched them help thousands of people shift the way they think 
inside of their family, inside of their marriage, inside of their household, inside of their, their job, inside of their career, and change lives. And now, for free, you get a chance to experience what many have paid tens of thousands of dollars to experience. Go watch the self-talk.